You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast. A safe space for deadly uncle conversations. Joining us today, on today's episode, we have Tyson Martell. Yes, Tyson Martell is from Mid-East Saskatchewan. He's our next guest. He's been through many, many trials and tributes. He's a recovering man that's on his Red Road journey. He's also acted in many different programs and different movies, been with some of the biggest stars, owned you know, so a company, an oil company. He's done many things and been through ups and downs, and it's going to be a great story. Yeah, stick around. Uh, grew up, it was, uh, you know, I grew up on the reserve. It was kind of tough because uh, we kind of went to school with uh, the white kids too, right? So we were kind of embarrassed to be First Nations at that time, right? So, um, you know, that the alcohol and drug addictions was bad back then. So my parents ended up divorcing when I moved to Grand Prairie, Alberta, or Lloydminster. I played junior ho- I played hockey there. I was, uh, I didn't know how to skate till I was 14 and, uh, we couldn't afford it. So I played a half year peewee and, uh, a half year in house league peewee. And then the next year I was captain of the major triple A team in Lloydminster. So I was there till 1991. We moved over to, uh, Grand Prairie, Alberta. And I graduated in 97, not trying to put my, my age out there, but it is what it is. (laughs) Um, so 1997, my old man, my stepdad, he worked in the oil patch. So he, you know, he instilled hard work and I started service rigging about a week after I was done graduating. And uh, I didn't know what the service rigs were, but, um, you know, and, and alcohol was pretty big back then. You know, you work hard, play harder. So the next thing I wake up about three months later and I'm a dare can. I'm like, what do I do? So. Uh, I ended up working service rigs for about 26 years. I worked in that, and I was told by a good friend of mine that, you know, like if, if that guy can do it, you can do it too, right? And so that really pushed me to, uh, to, to, to my work ethic, right? So I, I started off 97, so I beat my dad consulting. I was consulting by the time I was 34 and making all that big money. I had my daughter in 2007. Tasha Nevea, um, Tyler Martell. She saved my life back then. So I've actually been, uh, I haven't stopped. I've stopped drinking since 2007. Yeah. Uh, right on. Yeah. So once I held her, I just like, you know, this is, I got to put those childish things away and become a man. Right. And then I was in a major blowout. It was a gas explosion and it uh, perforated my eardrums. That's why I got this tattoo, this, Wolf on my neck. I'm deaf in my right ear. And uh, that kind of put me out for a year. Uh, but then I just, you know, I can't, I couldn't be on WCB. They weren't paying me anything. I lost my house. I lost everything. And I had to go back to work, even though I was, I was having nightmares about having PTSD. So I thought the rig was going to blow up and everything. I was just scared, but I had to provide for my family. Uh, I ended up, you know, getting into the drugs and alcohol pretty bad there because I was self-prescribing myself because of all the nightmares I was having and uh, just kind of numbing myself to go to work to support my family. Um, after that, I moved out to, I, I left Grand Prairie. I moved out to Moncton, New Brunswick, 
I ended up getting married with my wife. Uh, we were married for like 15 years. Um, then I got promoted and scouted to live out in Australia. So I lived in Australia for four years, 28 days on, 28 days off. Um, that was going okay. You know, I had lost some money. I had a house in Brisbane and I had a house in Moncton, beautiful wife, lost everything I needed. Right. But I didn't have one thing I was missing was spirituality. I just, I didn't have that. So I wasn't grateful for anything. I was chasing everything. Right. Um, well, my, uh, about 2018, the, uh, the recession hit and they sent us all home. So I got home and, um, me and the wife, she had developed kind of a, a habit of herself, uh, gambling. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it tore us me apart when I got home after I was making $300,000 a year and only working six months, right? So I made close to $1.25 million in four years. And uh, she's putting, she said she was putting five grand away every two weeks into this, into our daughter's account. But when I got home, there was like $680 in my account. So I divorced her. I had to, that week, I went and I started driving truck and I was making $600 a week. And, uh, you know, I was making $1,700 a day in Australia. Now I had to make work 80 hours a week and uh, never seeing my family and living with them, being grouchy. And then I said, I can't do this. So I started a, a company in Grand Prairie, Alberta. And then I once I was there, I worked two months and then COVID hit. And then COVID dropped me. And so <clears throat> when I was in that blowout, sorry, I was uh, prescribed six perks a day and three oxys a day. So I was on that for like 15 years, right? Ouch. And uh, back then, we never made a plan to to get off of that stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm not blaming everything because everything happens for a reason. Everything that, that had to happen had to happen, right? So um, I was going to methadone, trying to get off this stuff. And uh, Christmas time, it was uh, 2000. 2020 at uh, Christmas there uh, I had no money I was just living off my parents and uh, I was on methadone at the time so it was awesome Chris uh, about 12, December 22nd 2022 I was offered a job in Thailand to build service rigs so I was like okay they're gonna pay me $30,000 for that month of January so I said, perfect, this is a set me up back. I can go home and see my daughter back in Moncton. Everything will be all good. And then um, my doctor went on on leave, and he's like, my, my cousin's going to look after my practice while I'm gone. I said, okay. So I seen him on January 3rd. I said, I need to go on my prescription because I can't take methadone in Thailand. So can you just prescribe me my medication so I can just for this month, and then I'll go back on my methadone when I get back. Well, there's a language barrier there and he thought that I still wanted to be on methadone and take my medications. Right. So he blacklisted me and here I am. I'm, I'm hurting. I need my prescription. I'm off methadone and I'm just, I went to five walking clinics and you know how it is to walk into a clinic looking for medication, right? It's like three hours here, three hours there. And then I end up going to the emergency room and they just said, no, you're chasing your pills. We got you listed here. You should look after your pills. So I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? 
So I walked out of the emergency room crying. And I was like, please, what's oh, I need something. And my friend, I grew up, I didn't grow up in Grand Prairie. I got old in Grand Prairie. <clears throat> and um, he was, he's selling this, uh, this little, he says, take a little piece of this. Because he was either jump off a bridge or just curl up in a mall and just die right there. I was just, it, when you're withdrawing off of, of uh, Percocets and that, it's so hard on your body, right? Um, he like gave me a little piece of this uh, heroin. So I'm like, I took it and I'm like, what? Instantly I was just boom, good. I'm like, hold, oh, like thank you. Because don't you smoke that? Don't do anything. That's just until your doctor gets back. And then I'm being open with my wife at the time. I said, honey, this is what I have to do right now until my doctor gets back. And um, she says, no. You're using heroin. You're not welcome back here. We don't want you back here, Moncton. So then I'm just, I went on the pity party and just began to just use and abuse it and mask, mask that pain and embarrassment, right? And the guy that I was hired in my contract, he got fired on Christmas Day. So that job was gone too. So everything's just kind of, that's, was just chaos. It's just landed so heavy on me. Then I got bad into the addiction. Uh, I'll just jump forward here. Just living on the streets, you know, hustling, just doing what I could to make ends meet, feed my addiction. And um, my friend, my best friend, Jason Mishaw, he found me in a, in a shed, eh? So, well, he found me, and I was like, living in a shed. Excuse me. Oh, it's all right, brother. Take your time, man. <laughs> anyway, well, he took me out of that shed. He brought me to Calgary. I uh, I detoxed on February 28th at uh, the Alpha House in Calgary. And then I went to Simon House, and I finished there on, uh, what was it here? I got it right here. Oh. Oh. Well, anyways, it's in, it's in June. It was after my daughter's birthday. So it was a birthday present to my daughter that I was three months sober, right? Beautiful. When I was in treatment, when I was in treatment, I met uh, Gerald Oje. And, um, mm. you know, I didn't know Creator. I didn't know a higher power, it was tough for me because I just I was like, well, why, why is my God, why is my creator doing this to me, right? And uh, as soon as I met him, a week after, he asked me to be his Escapio. So I didn't even know what that was, right? So it was just uh, my very first pipe ceremony I went to was after, after class in Simon House. <coughs> so in Escapio, we, um, we prepare altar, we open sacred fire, and what it is is uh, you're sitting there and you're praying, and we do traditional offerings. I can't really tell too much about what we do in that, mm -hmm. um, but it was such a powerful moment with, uh, you know, of all went down on that pipe ceremony, right? That's how I was given my name, Walks with a Bear, and um, I, do, I found out that I, I'm a healer as well, right? So I can... I could take pain and attachments with my hands. And um, I, I, I thought it was like my, 
the way that came about was I, I just asked, well, is this true? During ceremony, um, it was like my daughter was jumping on a trampoline. She, she sprained her ankle and it was like sideways, right? So I brought her in the house and I just, I prayed. I didn't even pray. I just put my hands over top and I felt the pain go in my arms and into my ankle. And as soon as I went down to touch my ankle, she, was, she ran out of the house and she was jumping on the trampoline again. It took me about seven days to feel to walk on my leg again, but I would. Uh, I was always wondering if that was true, and I was told that yeah, I'm a healer and an empath, and uh, I have a lot of work to do, right? And then just fast forward today, it's just like <clears throat> you know, walking. I built five sweat lodges for elders this year. Um, this is for like I I didn't know creator. I didn't know our uh, so gone working in that white man's world on the service rigs, the oil and gas, all that money. And I had so much, but I had so little. Now that I have little, I have so much more. Now I'm acting. I uh, work for, um, you know, Faces of Wendy. And I've been on shows with Adam Beach, Gene Braverock, Nathaniel Arcan, Simon Baker, Carmen Moore. I shot my first commercial on October, just for Elections Alberta. Uh, and I was, I'm starring in it. And then I shot my first, I got my first uh, three scenes. Here I go, like I'm, uh, I play a cop, right? And my, my scene is like, <laughs> drop the weapon, how's it there, get underneath. And just like 10 months prior to that, I was the one getting arrested. Now I'm a cop playing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, you're play now you're playing a cop, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so then I, uh, I got this other one, like just building teepees, building sweat lodges for these elders, following protocol, not knowing what protocol is, but just learning every day and just being guided to do the right thing. You know, I just find out, I do my morning prayer morning. I thank four directions. I thank my guides for being with me. I thank the earth and creator. And I, when I do that every morning, I thank, I thank these things that, uh, that got me here. Mm. Um, I'm not laying in bed at the end of the night going, why, why didn't this work out for me? Why didn't that work out for me? Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm very blessed to be here today. I got another uh, offer to be on another movie. Can't really tell you which one it is, but it's being filmed here. So these nice. are just gifts of sobriety. Um, and I'll just touch base on, um, on the project I'm working on. It's uh, traditional high scraping. You know, I want to teach our, our youth to, uh, to see what, what it takes to actually make these ceremonial objects and what our ancestors had to go through in this weather, you know, to, to, for us to be here today. Right. So I've got four moose, three elk, two deer and three Buffalo. And those were all donated to me. And this all started because, um, my friend, Alyssa, she introduced me to Helen McFadden over at Stardale. And I went and listened to these, these little girls drum and, um, I had this elk and I wanted to make a sweat lodge drum. So I donated the elk to Stardale and I met Flora Johnson through that. And Flora Johnson met, introduced me to Tara and they are the women that work at um, the hub of forest lawn. Right. So it just started by, by me donating this elk to them turned into now I'm facilitating. I'm being sponsored by UNICEF Canada, United way. And, and I got another government grant to teach our, our, our youth about uh, these traditional ways, right? So that's me. That's, that's, you know, 44 years in a nutshell right there. Wow, that's amazing. And so 
coming from Saskatchewan, we know that there's like a lot of um, Soto uh, and Cree. So I'm just wondering um, what, uh, which, which tribe, uh, you oh. know, is your mom yeah, and I'm father? From, <clears throat> I'm a First Nations Cree, uh, Treaty 6 from Waterhead Lake, Saskatchewan. Uh, um, yeah. No, that's amazing. I know a Dean Martell from Waterhead and Lake. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> the bass that's player. My uncle. Oh, yeah, hey, that's my uncle. I know your uncle, yeah. your deadly uncle. Yeah, Dean's yeah, a great uncle, guy. Another one. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I just want to say uh, congratulations on your recovery and all the hard Thank work you. you're putting in there because that's yeah, that's important. I grew up in central Alberta and I grew up around a lot of people that worked in the oil and gas industry. Can you like comment a little bit on like the culture that you were, what it was like for you as an indigenous person working in the oil and gas industry? It was, um, you know, we, we have that label right off the bat as a back as a, as a lazy Indian, right? It's like all these native jokes out there. So that's what really drove me to work harder than that, that white guy. I'm trying to be prejudiced because you know, sitting in ceremony, it's not so much Asian, black, you know, colored, white, and, and red. It's, you know, we're, we're uh, a human race, right? We're, um, we're a spiritual being having this human experience, right? But it was hard, like, you know, being, being called this lazy Indian. And that's what drove me to work harder than them. And I got promoted over them, and I made more money than them. And that just, you know, just springboarded everything i even played junior hockey when i was younger because of because of the racism it pushed me harder to be there i was a captain of every major triple a team since bantams right yeah so but um it's a it's a rough industry because it's like uh you all the money you're making you're drinking after work and you're not eating you're going you, you sober up and you're at work and you're working at this high pressure and there's all this heavy ma machinery right and you're doing it out in those extreme temperatures, right? It's a it's a hard industry. Sure, sure builds work ethic though. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's not work for the meek. That's for sure. Like all the people that yeah. I know that have worked in the oil field industry are definitely hard workers. But I can imagine, yeah. like knowing knowing the people that I grew up with, I can I imagine I know what you went through in the racism end of it. Anyways, is all I'm yeah. saying is yeah, it's you know they they work hard, but they're also you know hard. Hard knocks, too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, it was, so, it was working in those extreme temperatures. It was like I worked in minus 52 and plus 52 in Australia, right? So it's kind of my body's just ah. so. <laughs> yeah. So growing yeah. up, um, were you exposed to ceremonies or was that something that came along later in your life? Do you, does, does your family practice? Um, you know, traditional ways, or, or have you gone back to uh, your territory to to learn any of those? See, no. Um, see, well, my great great grandpa, his name was Chuckayu, and he was a pipe carrier and um, a medicine man as well, right? And being a medicine man and a pipe carrier is in my family. But my mom has seventeen brothers and sisters, and none of them have uh, don't practice it at all. Like, mm -hmm. I think we went to one powwow or a Sundance. And it was just, you know, just driving by it. And uh, it, we were, um, like, this, we were whitewashed, as you could say, right? Because it was, yeah. we, it, um, you know, it's just trying to fit in 
uh, being like not even going to church, right? Just it was just like okay, don't act native around these people, just act normal and stuff, right? It was kind mm-hmm. of uh, and try not to have the accent. Yeah, don't things. have the yeah. accent. That was it, yeah. right? And yeah, uh, it was. Oh, we lost him. <clears throat> Maybe his phone died. Well, we'll wait for a second. And hopefully, he'll click back on. <clears throat> Good, good episode though, man. Good episode. Oh, there he is. <clears throat> We're coming. There we go. There we go. Sorry, I, I don't know what. Maybe it's mine. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was tough, not. And not knowing that that was my culture, right? Because a lot of my mom was embarrassed. I, th- I felt like she was embarrassed. I don't know, mm. you know. And um, I remember this one day doing homework, you know, and uh, I, I could I could hear her slang, right? Like just kind of talking like that. And I was like, "Why do you talk like that?" And uh, I said, "Don't you sound so you sound so native?" And then she just she scowled at me like she said. Don't you ever talk to me like that again? And I, and they, I, the Cree was spoken in my house. My auntie's on the phone, right? But um, the reason why she didn't teach me is because I didn't respect it. And that was the thing. I was like, I want to learn that, right? But she didn't teach me because I didn't respect it at the at the moment at that time, mm. right? Yeah, it's a beautiful language. So the last sweat I was in um, was the last, the, the fourth round, and. Uh, I felt this tapping on my feet and I had offered tobacco for guidance and knowledge on this journey that I'm on and felt this tapping on my feet. And then I heard this ancient, like, well, he opened the thing, let everyone out. And he goes, wait, you, I have a message for you. I said, what? He goes, the ancestors, they want to give you that guidance and knowledge you're asking for every day, but they don't, they don't speak English. They want you to learn create. So that it opens up more doors for you, you know, you'll be able to get more messages. Plus, it'll open more doors for that abundance that you're looking for, right? That's amazing. So, like, yeah, that's totally amazing. And through your journey of like healing and uh, getting to the red road that you're on now, um, did you know of any men's programs or anything that you could look for or look towards as a man to, to be able to heal or any of those things? No. Cause um, you know, even still to this day, you know, it's, 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 it's hard for a man to express his feelings. And, and, and I seen it all through the working in the oil patch, men would just, they, they'd bring that home. They'd bring that stress they have from home and they bring it to work and then accidents would happen. Right. They, we never had places where we could talk about mental health or just anything about that's bothering us, right? Because you're in the service rig industry, it's like be tough, work hard, you know, be your tough as nails. Where we worked when yeah. the derricks were made of derricks were made of wood and the men were made of steel, right? Sort of thing. So, um, I, I'd seen that. So, when I started consulting, um, what I would do at my safety meetings, I had safety meetings with you know, in between 50 to 200 men and they'd all be standing there looking at me. Like it was funny, this one story I got, <clears throat> when I got hired in Australia, I got off the plane, there's a sign that says, 
Tyson Martell. I'm like, that's me. And I go, and this, the owner of the oil company's like, wow, I thought you'd be walking in your cane with all the experience you have on your resume, right? Like, they were expecting this really old man, right? <laughs> I just I showed up with this little brown, brown guy. So, but, uh, yeah, even today, it's unless you're willing to get that help, it's, it's hard to find. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's exactly why we thought it was important to have this podcast for men to be yeah. able to, you know, share their stories and life experiences. And, yeah. you know, having you on today is definitely, you know, something that I, I think a lot of men can connect to. And, you know, having that oh, yeah. journey of struggle. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've had some uh, other guests on here that, uh, you know, started on the streets and now they're running their own businesses and doing yeah. well for themselves. And, you know, I know I have a lot of cousins that were unfortunately mixed up with the wrong uh, business, but man, were they good businessmen. <laughs> if they were good, good businessmen in the legal oh, yeah. way, it would just be amazing, way, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. So real quick, Tyson, I just got a quick question. Oh, yeah. How did you get from the service rig to acting? Okay. Um, so I got to the service rig. Like, I was acting my whole life. I just wasn't getting paid for it, right? Okay. So okay. Um, <laughs> I always... What do you mean you were acting your whole life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was acting white. So, <laughs> so um, you know, and... and and getting aunties, I'd have to act like somebody else too, right? Hey. So it's like, uh, ooh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it was, it's, it's, it's the dream like of ours, you know, because back, our, our babysitter was at TV, right? And I grew up watching SCTV, Saturday Night Live, and, you know, here I go aging myself again. And, um, Watching that and going like, you know, I could do that, you know, because I was always funny. I was always, people always said, like, my mom went to this, um, she went to this medium, the psychic, right, with a crystal ball. And uh, she said, she grabbed my hand and said, this guy, this boy is going to be famous. He's going to be lucky. He's always lucky. He's going to be famous. And then she tells me that every day still to this day. But um, it's been, uh, this is what I, um, acting is what I'm doing to feed my inner child, right? Because my inner child is, was scared, right? I, I didn't. So I'm being a good parent to my inner child. I'm feeding it. I'm loving it. So that's, uh, I just, Sunny, actually, do you guys know Sunny Strawberry? Yes. I have never Sunny Strawberry, him. good man, yeah. He's, yeah, funny he's, man. He's <laughs> very, <laughs> yeah, just don't, like, some of his messenger is, is just, uh, wow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, but you know what? That guy's very inspiring. You know, he he's always out doing something. He's always out fixing, uh, moving somebody, going picking some up, up, or uh, you know, just helping anyone that he can. And yeah, he's a he's a role model out there, Sunny Strawberry. But he mm -hmm. got me in. He got me into acting, and uh, I like everything I do now. I thank him. I told him I'll buy him a motorbike when I get a bigger role. Right. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But well, it's, uh, it's, so, it's so fun to be out there, you know, be on the set and seeing how it works. And it's just, uh, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything that happened to me had to happen for me to be here on this podcast today, right? 
I think it's amazing. And, and even with the, uh, with the high work that you do, um, how was that presented to you and how did you learn that skill? And, uh, um, you know, yeah. Okay. So, well, um, going hunting with my, my good buddies, like we'd, uh, they always take me hunting because I'm native. I can hunt anything at any time. Right. So <laughs> they had the guns, they had the trucks. I needed meat and they'd all call me up at like seven in the morning. Hey, can you come claim this moose? Can you come claim this elk? But then, so I was always out there gutting these animals, you know, um, and keeping hides and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and in our culture, I never had a culture. So we, we weren't using the, the whole animal we're using just for the meat and stuff like that. Right. So we'd leave the, leave the hides for the, for the animals out there. Right. Um, but just getting, like, I could feel it. I'm, I'm a very empathic. Right. And I knew that all this was, was wrong what I was doing. So, you know, I asked my uncles and, you know, what do we do? How do we, how do we use every part of this animal for good? Right. So them teaching me, and I followed protocol with an elder uh, just recently. His name is Helmer, two young men, and he's out in Morley. So I went out there. When we followed protocol, we're, we offered tobacco for our teachings, right? So I offered him tobacco, and he says, well, what's this for? Takes to his left hand. I said, I, I want your guidance and direction knowledge on, uh, on how to properly do these hide scrapings. And to uh, make sure that the, I'm not disrespecting this animal in any way, right? So he taught me how to, a lot about the high preparations and what goes into it and how we fast, you know, we fast a day before we go hunting. Uh, and that's your sacrifice. So you, your spirit is talking to that animal and, and that animal will sacrifice itself for you. and It'll come to you and then you'll get that hunt, right? So following protocol, and just hands-on is where I learned how to do all this hide scraping. No, that's amazing. That's so yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> so I want to do a shout out to this place I'm living at right now. It's uh, <clears throat> living potential. Um, his name's Justin Herrera. He's a good, good man, right? It's a safe place to just, it's a, a sober living environment, right? And being a struggling actor as I am, um, you know, he's he's helped me along the way. Like, I don't think I paid rent for about two or three months now because, you know, it's just because we, when we when we act, we're we're a subcontractor, and then we don't get paid for about a month after, right? Yeah. So yeah. this guy sees my journey, sees what I do for the, you know, with with aim, and we do a lot of outreach, and he sees the good that's in me. Uh, so he supports me and you know i just shout out to this place it's, if it wasn't for this place i'd probably still be out there it's a wow. uh, living potential yeah that's amazing that's amazing yeah. big shout out for sure and and he's white oh hey <laughs> <laughs> no that's he's amazing and yeah. you know it's uh it was great to have you on here uh yeah. you're you're an inspiration and uh, we you. have a hat for you now because oh, you definitely are a deadly uncle. <laughs> oh, thank you so, so much for having me. And just one more thing that uh, I want to talk to you about because you are um, into the cultural aspect now. 
Um, one thing yeah. that we've been talking about is having a safe space in every major city within our city limits to be able to have yeah. wakes, to be able to have ceremonies um, yeah. for the ones that are, you know, like you said, that are living on the streets and that, that might need guidance that don't have rides out into the land. And I think yeah. even us, I guess, as, as uh, indigenous people, um, we got to start looking at our major cities as our land. We should have a place yeah. to be able to, to pray and uh, to have our wakes inside the city. What do you think about that? Well, I was, um, I thought about that too. And I, I've, um, you know, to have our sweat lodges, we're like, we have to have it on clean, untouched land, right? So nothing that's been sprayed or cultivated or anything like that. So there's some bird sanctuaries around that, like that, that are untouched. Right. But, um, you know, sharing circles, um, you know, where it's just men can just go and drum. Like I like, I like drumming. Like you know, like Darcy turning turning robe. Um, I used to be, I used to drum with Sober Crew, um, and me and me and Sonny Campbell. You guys know Sonny Campbell? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's part. He's part of AIM, and we uh, we go to the to City Hall and we drum. So that drum is so that drum keeps me sober, and that drum is a healing drum for sure. And I suggest that everyone, because I'll, I'll be after this hide scraping, I'll have all that hide. So I'm going to put on a workshop to, uh, it's a two day thing. We're going to pray into that hide and we're going to make healing drums for people. Right. So I'm going to, I'll send you a link to, to when it's going to happen. Miss Canna's going to be there. Valkyrie, I hope that you can show up. I do going to reach out to Dream Brave Rock. He might show up. Um, it's going to be elders. We're going to have a, uh, a Blackfoot elder because we're on Blackfoot land. He's going to yeah. open up with the drumming. He's going to open up a drumming song to bless this, bless that hide scraping, and so that the, that the that the youth understand what the message that we're trying to portray. Right? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing work, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys too. Right? Like I look up to you guys. You know, I know you're doing a lot for us men out there. Right? And I'm very privileged to be part of that. And that's that's all we're doing is is trying to celebrate each other and uh, lift each other up and yeah. you know shine the light on you know this podcast is about dads that are doing good things you know it's yes. not about uh, it doesn't have your position doesn't have to be high to be a good man you know and so you know amazing and um and you know like and reach out to our matriarchs too right I just shout out to our matriarchs out there because. You know, these matriarchs are in the rising right now, and, and our artists, you know, I'm good friends with Ashley, Ghost Keeper, Valkyrie, um, but we need to, you know, behind every good chief was a good was a good woman, right? And they didn't have counsel until they, that woman would lead them in that, in that ceremony, right? So, you know, be out there, support our women as well, right? And, because uh, they'll support us, and it's just, Beautiful. you know, I... I have a lot of strong women in my life right now, so awesome. very blessed. Yeah, I definitely would not be here with the without the strong women as well mm. in my life. Yeah, yeah. it's it's one hundred percent. And yeah, thank you for the good words and have Yo, a hope. wonderful day, my friend. Yeah. Hi, hi. Thank you so much. Nice meeting you. Hi, hi. Nice good meeting one. you, Tyson. Nice meeting you. Hi, hi. Bye. Good job, bro. You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast, a safe space for Deadly Uncle conversations.